Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 15 called Melissa. So Melissa is a friend of mine from high school who reached out to me when I announced that I was doing a podcast and said that she had a roller coaster of a story to tell. So she talks a lot about endometriosis, which we haven't really gotten into much on the podcast yet. So I'm really glad we covered a lot of that topic and her experiences with that and how she and her husband tried for years and years to have their baby. So without further ado, this is Melissa's infertility story. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Allie. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Just to let the listeners know, we went to high school together. We did. And um, I think I, we, you were at the last reunion, right? I was. Yeah. Okay, yeah. We saw each other we there. We saw each other then. Yeah. So. And I, was, I just saw some high school friends and I said I was doing this and they're, they're like, oh my gosh, how do you know her? And I'm like, oh, we did this sport together. Very intense sport. It's called cheerleading. Yes, it was. <laughs> do you remember when we had the debate in high school about whether cheerleading was technically a sport or not? And we yes, all rallied together we and we're like, it is a sport. Did we win? Like, I think we won. Do you always want to have kids? I did. I mean, I'm, you know, I have siblings and my mom is a fantastic mom. And uh, my dad's a fantastic dad too, but you know, since we're talking about mothers. So I just always assumed I would, you know, and I, my mom had me when she was 30. So that sort of was the, like when I thought I would want to have kids ish, you know, and it's so interesting when you plan your life out when you're a teenager and you think it's going to go exactly how you plan, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I always imagined that I would have one or two, but in my head, I always thought I would have a boy and a girl. Okay. And then fast forwarding quite a bit. How did you and your husband meet? Uh, We met teaching um, a workshop. Uh, I'm a music theater professor, Mm -hmm. acting professor. So we were doing, you know, like a music theater workshop for teens over one summer. So we joke a lot and say we met at summer camp. But yeah, uh, you met at band camp. Exactly. (laughs) Theater camp. That's cool. Yeah. So that was that. And then we got, it was a really quick, we were, he was, I think we were 29. So it, it was a, pretty whirlwind courtship and like really, really, really romantic. And we got married pretty quickly. Okay. And did you guys talk about having kids before you got married? Absolutely. Because I had known, I had had endometriosis and uh, I was having lots of pain and all the stuff that goes with endometriosis. And so I think around 20 by 25, um, you know, my periods were so bad that I would have to, I'd be in pain for probably a week and a half to two weeks out of the month um, with lots of weird side effects. And, you know, it was, it was awful. So I started seeing, you know, getting like, do I have fibroids? Like all the, all those sort of things, ultrasounds. Mm-hmm. And then it was discovered that uh, this is kind of, this is very medical. Do you want me to go in, down this road? I mean, yeah, I, I want all the details. Okay. Your listeners might like, should not eat maybe at this moment. Uh, <laughs> okay, everyone, put your food down if you're eating. Exactly. Because I was like, you all want to. Um, so they discovered that I had um, endometriosis that was growing, endometriosis that was growing outside of my uterus, and it was starting to fuse my organs together and um, form sort of like just like tissue masses in the very uh, inopportune places. Uh, and so 
one of them was forming a mass that was invading my colon, or in other words, like blocking it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, that would cause a, eventually an obstruction that would um, rupture a whole bunch of stuff and kill me. So they're like, we have to go in, we have to cut that out and, you know, it'll be major surgery, but we'll, we have to take out part of your intestines and then sew. Oh my gosh. Did they tell you that? Like this could be fatal? Um, well, no, they were like, we just, you know, we're going to have to do this, but it's fine. And, you know, you'll be in the hospital for 10 days and, you Whoa. know, we're sorry you're 26, but we'll, then we'll take care of this and then you'll be all better. That was sort of the gist of this. Okay. Um, and that, so it was never ever like a, you'll have problems with fertility at that point. It was just, we have to fix this problem. So I did that surgery. And then the place where they sewed the intestines back together called the anastomosis, unfortunately that leaked. And so intestine stuff started flowing all over my body. And this is, well, I'm just going here because uh, this is what caused all the problems. Tore okay. a hole between my vaginal and rectal wall. Wow. Um, and then that made me go septic. Um, so then that was the you might die part. Um, oh and I had a huge emergency surgery and then I had to move up to the Mayo Clinic. I'm fast forwarding this um, and live there for a couple months and have several surgeries after that. Oh my gosh. I had no idea about any of this. <laughs> it's crazy. It was, from, it was all from like age 25 to 28. Oh um, no. was all of this. Uh, and, but, but the Mayo Clinic is a miracle and fixed everything. But we came out of that and they said, your window for having kids is probably shorter than the normal woman's because of the degree to which your endometriosis was prevalent. It might come back. And if it comes okay. back, they, they're like, it, you will not be able to have a kid through what you're having. And they also said scar tissue will probably continue to form causing problems. So they said, the sooner you can start, the better. Okay. And so that, so my husband and I were like, well, then we're getting married really fast and we're going to start trying immediately. Okay. Uh, And so we did. And I jumped right into the like beginning stuff, like where you get the books and you're doing your temperature. I mean, that was probably pretty much about a month after we got married, we started that sort of stuff. Oh, wow. Okay. So you're getting pretty like technical about it right away. Like this is how we're going to have to do it and you have to track everything and... Yeah. Okay. You know, no help yet. Yeah. Just this try for six months of just that, you know? Okay. Can we back up a little bit and just talk about endometriosis a little bit too? Because I know that's a very common thing when it comes to people having infertility issues. When did you realize, were you diagnosed with that like in high school or when did you realize that you had that? I didn't realize that I had that. I had, um, it's so funny, you know, you have the weirdest memories and I have a terrible memory because I've had so many surgeries that they said the anesthesia is making me forget a lot of stuff, which is, it's, we joke about it because I don't, I'm like, who, what? Um, I don't remember that person at all. I mean, it's terrible. But I started having those periods in high school where I'd have to miss school. Oh gosh. Okay. The weirdest memory because we were supposed to go on like a spring break tour with like one of like, like with choir in high Uh school. And I remember the day I was supposed to get on the plane having one of these episodes and thinking, I don't know if I could get on this plane to another country. Yeah. Um, and I remember that a girl was like, I have the same thing um, and I have this prescription. And she gave, I mean, this is the things you do in high school. So she gave me something. I don't know what it was. <laughs> um, and I was like, great. Took it. Do not remember that flight at all, but woke up fine. Okay. So, and it helped. 
it helped. So I should have actually figured out what it was. But um, but, but thanks, Carmen. Um, if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> Carmen, if you're listening, email me or email Melissa and let her right. know what that was. Right? You tell me what that was because that was some good stuff. Um, <laughs> It's like fentanyl uh, or something. Exactly. Um, and just pop it in. So that, I mean, it was all the way from there, but, you know, saying I have bad periods in the nineties wasn't really listened to, you know, I mean, doctors were kind of like, yeah, okay. Well, yeah. I think that's a common thing too, where they're just like, oh, get over it, honey. It's just a little blood, you know, like people don't take it super seriously. Right. You know, there are, you get the, like, have you tried um, a leave? And you're like, yeah, yeah. I've actually like had 19 to leave today mm-hmm. um, and it's not helping. I, I, you know, um, I'm just actually now like saw a commercial where the, you know, the woman's trying to tell her doctor about endometriosis and trying to be casual about it. And they're like, you should take this. And now they have prescription drugs that you take, I think every day, if you have this, this, mm-hmm. I don't know what they are. Cause I don't have it anymore, but I was noticing that and going, wow, the world's so different. Uh, Cause now they're taking this seriously. Right. Well, that's a good thing. Which it is. So, but yeah. yeah, but it can, I mean, ladies, if you have it, I hear you and it is no joke. Yeah. It, it, it can be super serious. Yeah. So you guys started trying soon after marriage. So that's sexy, right? When I, you're know. Like- <laughs> I know. Um, I mean, my, my uh, husband is such a gem. I mean, he met, it's so funny because we joke a lot. He's like, you fooled me. Uh, he calls me uh, <laughs> his little lemon, like when you get a lemon car. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, that's adorable. I know. Cause we met like literally, I mean, if I'm sharing it all with you ladies during all of this process, like with Mayo Clinic and surgeries, I had a colostomy bag for two years. Oh um, God. Yeah. It was, it was a fun mid twenties, let me tell you. And so I had just gotten that removed. Oh gosh. I think in December. And then I met him in July. Okay. So, I mean, it was just, the timing was great because that's not extremely sexy. Right. Um, my and, grand, my grandfather had a colostomy bag at, towards the end of his life and he called it his Gucci bag. <laughs> <laughs> See, you got to make it work. I always thought that was so cool. Um, yeah, I don't, luckily I, yeah, I don't have my Gucci bag anymore. Um, so I, I lucked out with that, but, um, but yeah, so he knew about all of that, but you know, he hadn't seen me he just missed that whole three year window where I was like in hospitals most of the time. Okay. Um, and he caught me like when I was like back and then we were out like out drinking and he lived in New York. So we were like flying back and forth long distance to mm-hmm. see each other and, you know, doing all the, you know, all the stuff that's like, I'm so young and we're so fun. It's like, we both were like, okay, we want kids. We might not want them quite yet, but we want them. So let's do this. You know, yeah, you that you had a small window. So you kind of had to like, accelerate the process right exactly you know and I I think we both were kind of like oh okay I mean you know I mean we eye on the prize I guess Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. but so yes so we tried started trying just with like taking your body temperature in the morning and you know knowing when you're ovulating and all of that stuff I would say almost immediately and we did that for six months then uh the doctors were like yeah we know you, you know like we know your timeline so here's Clomid which I don't know if you know anything about that drug, but it's the devil. Uh-huh. And I think it makes you make, make more eggs. I know that the IVF journey is really taxing and really can make you crazy for a lot of, I mean, for like hormonal reasons and also just for emotional reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and my husband um, often jokes and remarks that he can, he's like, all the IVF was 
spine. He's like, just never clomb it again. And we joke that, I mean, we joke now, but I remember it and I feel so badly that I woke up in the middle of the night, woke him up, started screaming at him that I was mad about somebody he dated years before. I mean, that I've never met. I mean, what? What? <laughs> Was he like, okay, lady? Yeah, I mean, back we, to sleep. We were in this, the beginnings of this, so he just probably was like, I married a crazy woman and I didn't know. There's um, my lemon. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so that, the Cloman was not a pretty sight, um, but we did that. I can't remember. I think we did that for six months too. And then no luck with that either. Okay. And so then at that point, our gynecologist was referred us to a specialist and they're like, we, you should go see a fertility specialist. So then we went to see, you know, the doctor, um, the doctors and they reviewed my whole case and they said, you should skip IUI. It's not going to work for you. So they're like, skip right to IVF. Yay. So we started that. Uh, and you know, if, as you know, a literal pharmacy of drugs mm-hmm. uh, gets mailed to your house, or that's at least how I got mine. Um, and then you spread them all out in your bathroom, and it's just so many needles. It's crazy. I know. Um, it's kind of comical. You're like, what? Yes. For and one person? And you're like, thank God. You know, and I know, I think everybody probably handles this differently, but, you know, Matt and I really did this whole thing together where he was giving me all of the shots. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I just was not able to give those suckers to myself. I think I'm a weakling. I just couldn't make myself do it. Yeah, it's not um, easy. No, I mean, it's like, I know I'm sure it doesn't hurt any more or less when I would do it myself, but it did, I just was like, one, two, three, okay, try it again. What, do, you know, and I could never, so, yeah. so he did it for me unless he was out of town. And luckily we lived next door to an ER doctor, so I would run over to his house when Matt was out of town and get the shots. He would do them for me. Oh, that's nice. I know. I'm such, again, I'm such a baby. I mean, they're not that. Oh, no, you're not. But that's, it's hard to give yourself injections. It is. So we did that. So we, we started IVF and the first cycle, it worked. And uh, the end of the podcast is now. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> and goodbye. And bye. Thanks a lot. We see you later. Um, no, um, it worked. And we were so excited. And then the, you have to go in for monitoring every other day right after that and get your blood, you know, get your blood and your ultrasounds. And I think my blood numbers of the H, what is it? HCG, the, whatever the, yes, the hormone basically, um, that that's marking, you know, that it should be spiking as you, you know, as whatever is happening. Right. They want the number to be constantly increasing. Right. Um, and mine was increasing, but not to the degree that they wanted to see it increasing. Okay. So that marked a problem. And they were, they were thinking that the pregnancy probably wasn't viable, but it wasn't miscarrying on its own. Mm. Um, and, and then, like I said, the numbers kept increasing, but they were supposed they, they want, they said they wanted them to double and they, they weren't. And so that was pretty devastating. And so they said, you have to have a shot of, I think it's methyltrexate or something, some shot that mm-hmm. would make you basically have a miscarriage. Oof. I had to go in and get that, which, you know, that's that obviously wasn't a great day. No, that's uh, devastating. It really was. It was really tough. And then the shot didn't work. Um, and, you know, because you're supposed to take the shot and then after that you'll start cramping and bleeding and, you know, have a miscarriage. Well, it didn't work. 
So then I had to, they're like, well, like, okay, come back and get a second shot. And I did. Uh, So again, I'm like, thanks a lot for this. And then it didn't work. Um, Were they telling you why it wasn't working or did they they couldn't figure it out? Um, You know, and my numbers kept increasing, but then they dramatically slowed. Then I had to go, my doctor was out of town and I had gone back to teach at that workshop uh, with my husband that we had met at the previous, you know, two years prior. Mm -hmm. So I was at a remote location. I mean, just like an hour away. So I went to one of their sister offices and saw a different doctor to try to figure out what was going on. But he wasn't familiar with my case. So, you know, you you get in the room and the tech, you know, you, you lie down and you get your ultrasound and you're laying there and what's up on the screen. So he comes in. He doesn't, I guess he hadn't read my file. Awesome, awesome guy. Uh, and he goes, hey, twins, congrats. Oh, my gosh. And we had no idea that we were supposed to be carrying twins. Oh. And that's why the shot wasn't working because there were two in there. Oh. And then we had, then we went down the road of, well, was one of them viable? And we just shot it up with death drugs. Oh. Um, it was rough. It was rough. Yeah. Was rough. And so then I had to have a DNC um, mm-hmm. to get rid of that because now it's been shot. Like they've, the, the two little things have been shot to death with, you know, poison. And that was really psychologically damaging. And I, I, that was rough. <laughs> I'm gonna, just not going to say, I'm not going to try to like laugh through that or say it's all fine now because it still really bothers me. Yeah. Um, I'm so sorry. It's, it's okay. I mean, it, it happens and I did have um, my OBGYN was, was wonderful and sent the tissue out to get tested. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at least one came back, you know, we found out that one was a boy and had severe chromosomal uh, problems. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the other one was. I, you know, mm-hmm. we, we just try to tell ourselves that something must have been wrong there too. And we just try to move on. I mean, right, right. Yeah. What else can you do? Right. So then, you know, it was, well, let's try again. And then we started going down a road of them not working, not working. Then, you know, my eggs just not growing. And so I remember at one time we were up to, you know, I got, I was able to get six sort of viable embryos, but with like six or nine cells. I mean, you know, terrible numbers. Um, And at one point they put all six in. Oh, wow. Cycle and none of them took. Oh my gosh. It was- Your body is going through so much up until this point. So you had done several rounds of IVF at this point. At this point, yeah. So I had that awful first one, had the DNC, and then I had three more where all these things, you know, where we were trying all these things and they weren't working. And I was under insurance, but as you um, probably know, insurance is amazing and I'm certainly so thankful for it. But the copays are still psychotic, mm-hmm. um, you know, for what the this, it doesn't cover with, you know, oh, but this drug isn't covered, do you need it? You know, that sort of stuff. So, uh, you know, hemorrhaging money. Um, I know we actually didn't have any of ours covered by insurance. It was 100% out of pocket. Oh my God. Yeah, but I was like, I only did one round of IVF. So we got lucky in that regard. But still, that's just that, even just that is. Right. And we actually, I should give a shout out. We, my parents and Vince's parents both gave us money towards the cause. So Thank you both to to all of them. That was wonderful. Yeah. Parents, parents save the day, man. Oh yeah, absolutely. Our insurance 
covered, you know, 80% of four cycles. So we did them and they didn't work. Um, and then we didn't quite know what to do. And then, and I was like, should I say this on the podcast? But it wasn't my fault. So um, my, where I work changed over insurance companies mm-hmm. and then, like the whole, you know, the whole corporation changed. Mm-hmm. So I got a new, you know, I got a new insurance plan and that plan gave me four more cycles. Oh, wow. Good for you. I know it was like this, my, you know, IVF doctors were like, Oh, you have just gotten like hit in the mother load of luck. That's amazing. Okay, so, good. So finally some good news. Right. You know, and it was a little bit like, Oh, am I gonna, I mean, this is a lot of drugs um, that I'm pumping into me. I mean, and you're going down in the morning in rush hour early. So mm-hmm. I would say it would take me 50 minutes to get down there. And mm-hmm. then you're down there for 45 minutes and then you've got to come back up and go to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was doing this, you know, when you're in cycle, it's every morning, every other morning to every morning. So, I mean, this had become now part of my life for years where I was now also doing this. So pumping yourself full of shots, getting super di- disappointed, hemorrhaging money and getting no sleep. So right. getting up at the crack of dawn for, yeah, you're like for not, <laughs> for not, you know, to get like yeah. poked with a needle again for blood, you know? Right. And how, um, how are you and Matt doing? Were you guys okay? Like, you know, he, I have to tell you, he was amazing. Like get every shot giving me being part of it. And he bought me these, I don't know if he'd want me to tell you this, but it's so cute. So I'm going to tell you, um, he bought these two little Care Bear figurines, mm-hmm. um, and one was, I think, Sunshine Bear or Cheer Bear, and one was a uh, little, like, the little grumpy blue bear, mm-hmm. um, and I would just get to put one out on the table, so, like, when he would come home, he would know how I was doing. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, and if it was the blue bear I'd put out, you know, he would know that I was having a bad hormonal day, and, like, I would just be, like more gentle and you know what I mean? Like, Oh, that's so sweet. It was super amazing, you know? And then that would be, he would just immediately be like, do you want to order food? I mean, you know, and, um, and we actually still use that. I mean, I don't have the bears, but, um, but I will say I'm blue bearing today. So that now it's become part of our little shorthand vocab. That's that's great. Um, so we, so we started four more cycles. I'm like, well, let's do this. You know, um, I'm determined. And we did four and five and then we froze some embryos and did just a couple of like frozen transfers and, you know, was hoping that would work. Like maybe if my body wasn't going through all of the harsh IVF part, maybe it would take more. Everybody was on this crusade to try and help me. Um, uh, yeah, it was great. I, I got a week off of work once, like, so I could just like be on bed rest to see if it would take, I mean, we tried everything, Mm -hmm. nothing would work. And so after, um, I think it was after the sixth cycle and plus we had like had three, you know, frozen just transfers, um, out of cycle. So like, I feel like I did that, I'd done that nine times, but six actual IVFs. Our doctor called us in for a meeting. Um, and usually those meetings are, you know, where we're going to tweak and we think we're going to try this hormone instead. And, you know, th- those kind of meetings, mm-hmm. um, science cocktail meetings before you start. Mm-hmm. And she sat us down and she said, look, I think your eggs, you know, are just not, you know, she goes, because of all you went through and because of all the endometriosis that racked your body, I, I think your eggs are not going to do the trick. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she said, I, th- and I mean, we hadn't even talked about any of this. And she said, we have an egg donor bank. This is a relatively new process. A donor has just entered our bank that is like you. And 
that's so rare. So obviously your audience can't see me, but I'm biracial. My dad is black. My mom is white and I'm like five, two and you know, whatever. Right. Um, and she said a person who's your height, you know, your weight, um, you know, biracial with the same 50, 50 mix and is a music major. Cause we get to know things about the donor, but, uh, she, they're like, has just entered the bank. And she's like, I think you should do this right now. And I think you should get her because she will, you know, it was, there were egg donors, but to have women of color egg donors was rare. And then to have one that matched me. So, I mean, she looked like me. I mean, everything was lined up. What a great Um, doctor to take that into consideration. You know, she really must've been invested in your, in your story and wanting to help you, which is wonderful. It really was wonderful. I mean, she was, she was really great. Um, I owe a lot to her. Uh, what did it feel like to hear that your eggs weren't going to do the trick? That must- not good <laughs> at all. Um, not good at all, but, and that was hard and they make you go see a psychiatrist or a mm-hmm. psychologist on their staff mm-hmm. to sort of talk through this because it is a loss of some sort. And so we, we did, but I, you know, was like, well, let's do this. And I talked to my, it was interesting. I talked to my parents because we were going to need help. So shout out to my, my uh, Matt's parents and my parents because uh, donor egg is not cheap. And we had all, I think I had added up everything, all of my co-pays. And so even being covered, I think I was still $71,000 in co-pays that I had had um, up to that point. And, you know, now I was going to enter this new adventure. So they both, they both gave us money for that donor egg pr- procedure, which was yeah. great. And we, you know, it was, it was a lot. Um, and it was like, well, will I tell anybody and what are we going to do about this? But everybody had been with me on this journey and knowing that we were doing everything and nothing was working. So it just seems so false to all of a sudden clam up and then just say, oh, it worked. Yeah. Who knows why? I mean, it, it just seemed that not fair to everybody that had sort of been invested to us. So, yeah. so my friends got to see the picture of donor one fifty two, um, and because you know we get we get like a little bit of information about them. Yeah, uh, and we we did that, and it was so funny because when I was growing eggs, my I mean we would be so excited if I could get like an eight cell egg, and her egg her the egg we implanted that's now my daughter was a hundred cells. Oh, wow. Okay. So Did you it, meet this person or was no anonymous or absolutely anonymous? Okay. And to the point where she would be coming in, obviously she'd be doing IVF for harvesting mm-hmm. while I was coming in to be getting ready, you know, um, like to trick my body into being ready for a transfer. So they would time our appointments so that we were never there at the same time. Um, I would have loved to meet her, but I think for protection services for both parties, mm-hmm. I think legally we are we aren't allowed to meet, and I don't think she knows anything about me. Okay, legally, you know, um, and we had to. There was a lot of legal, <laughs> right, um, right, and signing paperwork and rules. You know, just rules of of that I that they enforce. It was great, and her eggs were great, and we planted one. Oh, and I should say before that, we met with the high risk maternal fetal medicine department at you know northwestern because they were now we're getting like well what will pregnancy be like will it be sort of 
problematic because of all the surgeries I had in my 20s. Um, mm-hmm. And they, they looked at a lot of stuff and they said, you can do this, but you cannot have twins. Okay. It will kill you. Um, and that wow. was just that was disappointing too, because we were really hoping we could just do that. You know, we wanted two kids and we were like, well, we'll just get them at the same time and be done. Yeah. Um, and, but so, um, but I'm glad we got that advice. So we implanted one, it took, and now we have a beautiful seven-year-old girl. Wow. So how old were you at the time when you did the donor egg? Oh gosh, let's see. 36. Okay. I had her when I was 37. And so how started this when I was 30. Wow, that is yeah. such a long journey. And how uh, how was the pregnancy? Good. I mean, good. Everything was was perfect, and there were no problems. Um, I would say in the last three months, I started having severe pain um, because I because of all the scar tissue that had grown in my body from the surgeries and endometriosis. So things as she was growing and stretching, scar tissue doesn't like to stretch. Um, So that was problematic. And then my cervix dilated one centimeter, I think in week 18. And so then I had to go down to maternal phenol medicine every week to check to see if it was getting more dilated. Because if it was, I would have had to go on bed rest, but it never did. We just had to be really careful. Like I couldn't lift anything and, but I was able to do my job and, you know, live a life. And we watched, we binge watched a lot of shows, (laughs) things like that. Um, But she, she grew and everything was good. And I would say the only other complication and uh, it's a cute story that we tell her now because we're like, you were a troublemaker from the get go. Um, (laughs) Is she a troublemaker now too? I mean, she's just, she's a sassy special. Like I love her so much. She's, she's a, she is not an introvert. We'll just say that. Yes. Um, I used to call uh, my daughter a spirited child. (laughs) Yes. I was like, you are, you are a firecracker, but in a great, great way. Yeah. but she, because of all the scar tissue, you know, you're supposed to hear your baby kick five times a day or something. Mm-hmm. Well, there would be these times, a lot of times I'd have to eat ice cream and lay on my side um, because supposedly that helps. And that we just usually get her to do it. But th- on three different occasions, we couldn't get the kicks. And when you could get the kicks, you have to go down to the ER mm-hmm. and to check you in and do all this stuff three wow. times. Um, oh. she, and she was fine. But okay. um, just and they just we, we weren't able to hear her kicking through the scar tissue because of whatever position she was in that day. Yeah. Um, but you know, and we're like, we're sorry, false alarm. But they said, no, you have to come every oh, time. That so, must have been so scary, though. Every was. time you go, three times by the third like, time, I'm like, get, please go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but it was fine, and um, the delivery was really rough. Um, really, really rough because mm-hmm. she wouldn't come out because of the scar tissue, and they had underestimated how bad that was. And so they had, there are 13 doctors on the high risk team Mm -hmm. and they had met about me and all decided that a vaginal birth was very much preferable because they'd have to cut through so much scar tissue in a C-section that they'd be afraid they'd nick an organ. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. So that was the plan, but she would not come out and she started to get, after 23 hours, she was getting in distress. So they had to do emergency C-section and it was, a, of course, because it's like so Murphy's Law. It was Sunday night, you know, at 9.30 when no one's there, yeah. you know? And so, and the doctor 
she was great and I think she was the right one to have, but she was my least favorite of the 13 um, <laughs> because she's, her bedside manner is not very warm and comforting. Um, <laughs> and so she, of course, was her rounds when it was time. Um, and so she called in doctors. She did everything right. She called in favors and got doctors to that hospital so that she had a team. But she was, I mean, she, she was grim. And she told my parents, I mean, it's the second time my parents had to hear we'll do our best to save her because they heard that in my 20s for surgery. And then she said it again. She was like, well, try to save her and the baby and then I roll away. And I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) Wait, what? (laughs) I just dropped the bomb on you. Yeah. Um, But it's fine and we're fine. Oh, so now you have this beautiful seven-year-old daughter. Yep. And what's your favorite part of being a mom? Oh my gosh. Um, I love her so much. I think this, this is kind of a convoluted answer, but I somehow think that all of the things I went through to get her and knowing that she's my only one, I really am cognizant of each phase of her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just got the full body chills. Yeah. You know, I mean, and <sighs> not wanting to miss stuff. And so this is, you know, my work schedule as, as crazy as I know you understand, I'm sure a lot of your listeners get. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's insane, but I'm a room mom for her class, which I have no business doing and do not know why, you know, three in the morning, I'm trying to send out emails saying, who can bring right. friends to the We're party? having a party for yeah, yeah. the holiday party. Um, who has a craft? Um, right. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, I want to be there. You want to be present. Yeah. More present. Yeah. I think I'm more present and than I would have been. I'm not saying I'm more present than moms are. Right, right, right. No, you know, I just think good. If this had just been easy peasy for me. I would have just been trucking along. But now I'm like really trying to be like, okay, you know, yeah. I want her to have the perfect life. And I know that that's, nobody has a perfect life, but I want to give her as much as I possibly can to have that. Yeah. I'm about to cry, but that's me too. And she's so <laughs> lucky to have you as her mama. You are a strong motherfucker. Excuse me. <laughs> you are Melissa. You have been through so much. I had no idea about all this stuff in your twenties and thank you so much for sharing all of that. I'm sure a lot of people can relate, especially to the endo stuff. I know a lot of people have that. Well, it's, um, it but- sucks. And I just like, we'll tell your listeners, like it sucks. And all the things you feel like, I was a bitch probably for those last three years. I would not go to a baby shower. Like, I'm like, I will send you a great fucking gift, but I'm not going. Right. Um, Yeah. No, that's tough. You know, and you'd see pregnant people and I'd be like, I'm not, uh, we're not, we're not, we're going to leave this restaurant. I mean, I was really kind of Yeah. I went through that too. It's hard. It's hard. It was a lot, but my husband was amazing and I know it can really tear people apart. And he was, I think it really brought us together. That's so good. Matt, good for you, Matt. He's, oh, <laughs> Shout I out love to the bears and oh, it's all so good. So I'm so happy for you that. Thanks. Thank you cool. so much for taking the time to do this and um, for sharing your story and being so open. And next time you come to New York, please let me know and we'll, we'll do a proper catch up. I would love that. For um, sure. Hopefully over wine. And I'd love to see Vince too. That'd yeah, be so that, yeah, Vince went to high school with us too. So yeah. yeah, let's do that. Please let me know. Okay, awesome. Thanks for having me.
thank you guys so much for listening. I know a lot of you can really relate to all the endo stuff. So thanks again to Melissa for sharing all of that. And I will talk to you guys next time.